and then just hit that water. Such a great clip. Hey, we want to welcome all our campuses in this morning, all the way from Kaitaia, Whangarei, Rotorua, and Sydney. Thank you for joining us this morning. Our theme is All In, and don't you just love that clip? I wonder if you're one of the ones holding hands or whether you're the guy that's still just uh, you know, dipping his uh, toes into the waters of Christianity uh, does it really work? Is it worth going all in? Uh, I'm a bit scared. I don't know what, what I should really do. But uh, we're talking about an all-in surrender to God, where we basically, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. And the great promise comes with it, doesn't it? And I'll add all these things to you. But we're not quite sure that God will actually add all these things if we go all in for Him. And uh, it's all in and all out. For the all in all. So that's our theme. And I appreciate that for some of you, the call to be all in can seem like overwhelming. You know, you're sitting there thinking, well, actually, Pastor, I'm really struggling with major issues in my life, with healing issues, breakthrough, relationship problems, disappointments. I've been betrayed. I've been hurt. And hey, I'm quite frankly, it's, it's just not easy living my life for Jesus. So a call for all in is kind of like, wow, I'm not sure I can handle that. Not, I just want to say I understand. I understand where you might be at. But keep in mind also the truth sets you free. So all in is not a punishment like be all in or else. It's a call of God saying, hey, the more you're all in, the more it opens a way for heaven to bless you. And so it's, a, it's for our own well-being. It's for our own good. The only thing things God ever asks for us is what's going to do us maximum good, maximum favor, maximum blessing. So the goal of this series really is to move you a step forward, hopefully a significant step forward in your journey to all in. There's a, for example, if you don't ever read your Bible, why not try reading two verses a day? Take you what? Two minutes? Or maybe you never pray. You just think, man, prayer is just not my zone. Why don't you try two minutes prayer a day? It's a step forward, isn't it? Someone said in the journey to all in, get some wins under your belt. So you manage to read two verses a day when you've never done it, that's a win. When you get a few wins, you're going to get really excited for more wins and more wins and more wins. There's a great Chinese proverb that says this, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. You might think an all-in faith is a thousand miles away for you. Start with a single step and see where that goes. Because deep down... 
every one of us wants to be all in. There's no question of it. We all want to be sold. You wouldn't be here if you didn't want to be all in. And the reason we want to be all in is because God's put it deep in our hearts. By His Spirit, He put it within us. Because that's what we're created for, is this all-in relationship with God. So deep down, it may be covered up with a lot of pain and hurt and struggle, but deep down, it's within all of us. It's what we all desperately want in our lives, to be sold out for God. And the reason God placed it in you and in me is because He knows that it is a pathway to the best possible life on the planet. Nothing else can compare with it or compete with it. But being all in, I've discussed it with a few people, got their thoughts on this, and we've discovered that another thing about all in is it's actually countercultural. All of society says, no, don't, don't be all in. So now you have, with workplace, three-month contracts, like let's, you know, check it out. Or with relationships, hey, no, 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 don't rush into this. Just live together for a while and check it out. Don't, don't go all in too quickly. And if you are married, once it gets tough, get all out. I mean, that's what, that's what society is, t- it's screaming at us. Don't be so stupid as to go all in. It's dumb. It's not dumb. Well, going to all in to some things is dumb, but to go all in with God is the right thing. So people start studies <laughs> or projects, but then they quit. Why do they quit? Because in the beginning, they were never all in. It was never, I'm going to see this to the end. That was never the thinking from the start. So the world keeps screaming at us. Don't be all in. It really isn't the way to go. And so culture is developed in us. If it gets tough, quit. Move on. Try something else. But as Christians, God's calling us to walk a different path. Let's not be molded by the world. Let's mold the world to God's way of thinking. We said uh, last week, some of you may not have heard it, that if we are really honest, you know, the condition of the church in the West, I want us to read it as described in Revelation in chapter 3, verses 14 to 16 and 19. You know, the revelation you and I all need is that Christianity is designed by God to deliver more of what we expect, the more devoted we are. So the more you're all in for God, the more God is all in for you. It's kind of the way it works. So Revelation 3.14, it's not a pretty picture, this, but who said to the angel of the church of Laodicea, write these things. Verse 15, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. The Bible's always brutally honest, isn't it? Like it says things we would never say. Sometimes we wouldn't, we won't, don't want to say it, so we just actually read it from the scripture. It's a way of safety. In verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Something else we don't like to say either. Therefore be zealous and repent. So there's a preacher, and he meets this bunch of Christians at a bus stop. And he does a bit of a survey with them, and he says, now, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 is you're dead cold for God, and 10 is you're red hot for God. Where are you at? You might want to ask yourself the question this morning as well. He found that everyone that he talked to put themselves between 4 
and 6. Described as lukewarm. And God says in the scripture that we can do better than that. And he wants us to do better than that. To be hot for God. The Lord spoke to me recently and it was very, very challenging. But it was a clear voice of God and he said, Tuck, I want to see the temperature, the spiritual temperature of the church rise. In our own personal lives, in Church Unlimited, but also in the church of the West. The spiritual temperature. And I've talked to this about for a number of people now. No one, but no one disagrees with me. Everyone can tell that we're not really where we should be at. And so it's a call of the Spirit upon Church Unlimited. I believe God is going to use New Zealand and Beyond Conference to help us do this beyond our church to the wider body of Christ. Raise the spiritual temperature. We stand on the same 3,000-year-old promise the Israelites had. Joshua 3 verse 5. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Wherever there is a promise of God to do wonders in our lives, it comes with a renewed call to consecration. Surrender is the catalyst behind every spiritual advance and behind every revival. So we're going to interview three people who are growing in the call to be all in. Good morning. It's my privilege to uh, interview a few of our volunteers in the church. All three of these uh, people, Tim, Asi, and Peter, have recently traveled halfway around the globe to serve at the UK and Beyond Conference. How about you give it up for that? So, Tim, don't, hey, come, come a bit closer, man. Huddle in. So, um, Tim, could you tell us uh, maybe a highlight from your experience serving over there? Yes, at the conference, just seen lots of churches come together. Um, at one point, I saw a couple of nuns at the conference, and it just showed that um, the, the, the strength of the conference to draw people from all the body of Christ to hear the message to reach the world with the gospel. Fantastic. And, uh, and you, it's such an extravagant way to serve traveling so far, and they did this all at their own expense, by the way. Um, can you explain a bit of that all-in attitude that compels you to do that? You know, Jesus, our example, he died on the cross. I mean, at least going on a nice plane across the world to share the gospel is probably not a big deal, to be honest. But really, it's an opportunity to establish a new work for God, that the branches are going over the wall, and I want to be a part of it. Fantastic. Fantastic. And um, does it stop now? Like, what, how does all-in faith live itself out in your life? Yeah, I think big picture is I don't want my life to be a waste, but in the small things is that the small unseen things I do every day, that shows my heart towards God. And if I can't do those things right, you'll never get any bigger opportunities to show your love for God. Fantastic. Thank you, Tim. Asi. Hello, hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Excellent. Asi, uh, can you maybe tell us a bit about your experience serving over in the UK? All right, cool. So um, I served at Infodesk at UK and beyond. Um, it ran really smoothly, and because of that, um, I was able to have more conversations with those that were in the church and, you know, those that came. Um, and I just got, like, a greater perspective on God and church, and it was, like, really fulfilling. Yeah. 
Yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. And, um, and for you, I guess, how does that attitude or that all-in attitude that compelled you to go so far, how do you live it out every day? So Monday to Friday. Um, I guess just surrendering each day to God and, you know, each of my plans. And um, I guess just knowing that, you know, the things that he gives me, even though it may be hard and, you know, I think I'm not capable, he's given it to me because I am capable. And just taking hold of that and even um, with West City Youth Trust going out to the schools, I never thought I'd be able to do that. Um, but I am and I'm glad. Yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Asi. And Peter, come and join me here. We can move past the tax Bible, that's okay. <laughs> Peter, can you maybe explain to us a little bit how traveling to the UK conference has impacted your life? Sure. Well, it's increased my awareness of the global nature of the body of Christ. We were welcomed with much love by the BCC people and delegates, which reinforced the meaning of one of my favorite verses, John 13, 35. By this shall all men know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I know that if the global body of Christ can have the unity which love creates, we can turn the world upside down again. Great. And the, um, for you, I guess, I mean, it's such a, again, such a long way to go, a big commitment. What compelled you to serve in that way? Right. Well, some years ago, I went to Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park, London. I found a large crowd around a speaker and infiltrated my way to the front and found an African evangelist preaching. He wasn't a Brit. The thought came to me, Britain, who sent the missionaries out, now has to have their fruit coming to evangelise her. Volunteering at UK and Beyond gave us an opportunity to be part of one of the catalysts that God can use to remobilize his UK church. Yeah. Great. And where to from now, Peter, in your everyday life, can you explain how that attitude, the all-in faith, plays out and shows itself in your life? Well, I think it means being available to serve our fellow members of the body and to expect our God to do the extraordinary through me as I serve. But I have to volunteer to serve. <laughs> I believe I'm being equipped for the ministry, as it says in Ephesians 4.12. And so, if I continue to serve, I am playing my part in bringing the unity needed to reach our God-given vision in CU. Thank you, everyone. It's great to hear, isn't it, stories of how different ones are all in and what it means to them. So, you know, trust that something that was said there just, you know, touches a chord in your own heart. The spiritual tipping point in our lives in the Church of New Zealand happens when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change. The pain of staying the same. And we can't allow our lives or the Church of New Zealand, quite frankly, to stay the same. Would we agree with that? Because our nation is in serious, serious trouble. The downward spiral is just rapid at the moment. The moral decline, uh, New Zealand is rushing far away from God. 
It's frightening. Suicide statistics, substance abuse, violence, poverty, broken homes, broken lives, immoral laws. The pain of staying the same gets greater than the pain of change. And it's times like this, I believe, that we need a prophet to walk into our lives, into the church, and wake us up to what is possible, of what God can do. We need a a prophet to boldly confront us as we see right throughout the Word of God. I'm your prophet today. Prophets were never popular in the Bible, but they did deliver God's message, which was the message the people needed to hear for their own well-being and their own good. The spiritual temperature of the church in the West needs to rise. Joel 2 verse 1 says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm. I am sounding an alarm for the church of New Zealand, for the church of the West. It's time to arise. It's time to step into our destiny. It's time to be who God has called and anointed us to be. 2 Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. NIV says, fully committed to him. God is looking for those to whom he can show himself strong. If you need God to show himself strong in your life, your circumstances, your finances, your marriage, whatever it is, God does that to those whose hearts are fully committed to to him. I want to look at a very challenging passage of scripture with you today found in Matthew chapter 19. It's about the rich young ruler and it seems a very, well, hard to understand passage quite frankly because as I look at the rich young ruler, I think he's better than me and yet Jesus is not all too happy with him. So verse 16 to 22, now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you call me good? There's no one good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, not murder, not commit adultery, not steal, not be a fault witness. Honor your father and your mother and you love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said, listen to this, all these things I've kept from my youth. How many of us can say that? I certainly can't say that. But then Jesus didn't stop there. And he, and he goes on to says. The uh, young, rich young ruler asks a question he should never have asked. And she said, well, what do I still lack? D- don't ask that question <laughs> because you'll get an answer. Well, Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions and we never hear about this fine young man ever again. And I think, Jesus Wow, does that give me any hope? It's really, Jesus is not saying to you or I, I don't think, to give, sell everything and give it to the poor. What I think he is saying is that everything we have belongs to him and needs to be available to him should he ask for it. And he asked the young ruler for it. And the young ruler basically said, well, no. So it's a passage calling for greater surrender. It's a passage that's going to take you from where you are one step further. All right? You're not going to sell all. I don't think so. Unless you've got nothing, then you can sell all, and there's nothing lost, is there? The rich young ruler had it all. He was rich. He was young, like me, and a ruler. And Jesus 
demands to me seem unreasonable. He was doing the right things. He was obeying the commandments, but he was not fully surrendered to God. That's the point that's being brought out here. See, he did nothing wrong, and yet he still didn't do everything God required. So I can be like that too, and maybe you can do. Do all the right things, attend church, give, pray, serve, and feel, well, surely that's enough. The point is, I think this teaches us, you can do all that without being all in. We buy in without selling out. And it doesn't work. It just doesn't work, unfortunately. The blessing of God doesn't flow as we would want. See, full surrender, and as I said, you're on a journey. A full surrender, I think, is when we acknowledge that every ounce of our being, every minute of our time, every dollar that we have belongs to Jesus. And you might think, well, that's a bit unfair. Well, hold on a minute. Who gave it to you in the first place? It's all a gift from God, isn't it? Everything you have is what God gave you. So if you ask back what he actually gave you, well, there really shouldn't be an argument. But the problem is when we get it, we actually think, no, no, it's actually mine, God. It's not yours anymore. The rich young ruler had the opportunity of a lifetime, but he didn't have the courage to be all in. He didn't have the courage to go for it. And eventually he became an old, rich ruler. And maybe the words of Jesus still ringing in his ears, go sell what you have and come follow me. I don't know. But he forfeited an incredible future in God because he couldn't surrender what God was asking of him. And that's really the issue, isn't it? What is God asking of you? What is he asking of me? Think about the disciples. In contrast, they forsook everything. They were poor in terms of worldly wealth, were they not? But they experienced God and his power in ways probably unparalleled in human history. Amazing, eh? They let it all go. They got it all back in abundance. History turns on a dime. And a dime is a defining decision that takes just a few moments of courage. Peter got out of the boat. How long did that take him? Ten seconds? David charged Goliath. A moment's decision. Zacchaeus climbed the tree. Moses said yes to the call of God. Esther went in to see the king. The risk of her own life. History turns on a dime. History turns on a decision. History turns on a moment of courage. Will you say, yes to God, I'm all in. And it's worth it. It really is worth it. There's two kinds of people in the world today. Those who ask why and those who ask why not. Which one are you? You always say, well, why? Why Why should I surrender? Why, why should I give up? Why should I, why, why should I take this opportunity? Why, why? Others say, well, why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not go for it? Why not give it all to Jesus? And we need help, don't we, to be a why not person. (laughs) The African Impala can actually jump 10 feet high. It's pretty high. And 30 feet 
gosh, I don't know whether that's the length of the stage. Probably is something close to 30 feet or whatever it might be. It's massive. And so you'd think that zookeepers wouldn't have any, would have a massive problem keeping them within an enclosure. But they don't. And the reason is, is a three-foot wall will do the job. Because the impala will not jump if it cannot see where it's going to land. Aren't we the same? We don't want to jump because we don't know where we're going to land. We don't want to be all in because we're not sure how it's going to work out. God, if I obey you, what's it going to look like? If I do what you're saying I'm I'm meant to do, God, where where am I going to land? If I really seek first the kingdom of God, is it true you're going to add all things unto me? God, I'm I'm not sure. And so we don't take that leap of faith. We don't do what Joel says, you know, stop dip, dipping your feet in the, you know, the faith of Christianity. Jump! <laughs> you don't know what it's quite going to be like on the end, except you do know because of the promises of God. Because the promises of God are yes and amen. God's promises do not fail. They cannot fail because God cannot fail. If he says all in is the way to go, then you can know where you're going to land. You're going to land on the blessing of God. You're going to land on the favor of God. You're going to land on the breakthroughs God has for you. You're going to land. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow I will do wonders among you. So you consecrate first, but you say, I don't know if I'll get the wonders. That's when you have to trust God's word. So there's a motto, isn't it? You know, sometimes we have to take a flying leap of faith, but don't do anything stupid, all right? I'm not saying do something dumb. Get some good counsel, okay? So there's a motto, ready, set, go. It's what we mostly live by, don't we? But some are saying, well, the way to move forward is more go, set, ready. It's not original, by the way. I read it in a book. Go, set, ready. If we wait till we're ready, (laughs) we may be waiting the rest of our lives. Isn't that true? Procrastination. Just going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it, God. I'm going to do it. God, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Five years later, God, I am going to do it. You know I said I'm going to do it. Procrastination. And I'm ultimately run out of time. You know, maybe you're going to spend, God, I'm going to spend more time with my family. Yeah. More time with you know, with the kids, and God, I'm going to spend all time serving you. God, I'm going to do it, God. <laughs> time goes by. Well, you know what? The kids are married and gone. Then you really want to spend time with them, and they're not always interested. Things change. You know, there will never be a right time. Here's a key point to understand. Listen carefully. What Jesus asked the rich young ruler to give up was nothing compared to what Jesus would give him in return. That's the revelation you need. It's a revelation that I need. The rewards are out of this world. You step into a life with God you never thought was possible. Matthew 10, 29 and 30, there's no one who's left houses, brothers, lands for my sake and the gospel who shall not receive 100-fold now in this time. Whatever you surrender to God, he repays 100-fold. Everyone say with me, 100-fold. Do you believe it? Tell the person next to you, 100-fold.
And all in faith is a work of the Holy Spirit. Because it says in the Scriptures, I think it's where is it found in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Do you know what the main work of the Holy Spirit is? I'm told, I believe, is to bring us under the Lordship of Christ. That's his main task, because he knows the more we are under the Lordship of Christ, the more blessed we're going to be. And so he's always working, every day in your life, every day in my life, he's working to bring me into a greater surrender to Jesus, because that is the pathway to the most blessed life possible. And so we need to keep praying, and we need to keep asking the Holy Spirit to help us. We all want to be all in, but Mark 14, 38, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You want to do it, but it's so hard. And so what I'm doing is I just keep praying and asking God on a regular basis now, God, I want, I want to be more all in, but Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, do a work in my life. I found myself out on the golf course, you know, hitting that 400-meter drive, I think it was, I can't quite recall. I didn't quite get the measurement right, but I mean, it went a long way. So I had a long way to walk to get to the ball, which was probably in the water, by the way. But as, as I'm walking on the golf course, I'm saying, God, would you draw me, Holy Spirit, to greater surrender? See, it's a prayer that's emerging in my life on a regular basis. I pray it never, ever goes away. You know, that there's a continual cry of my heart and your heart God to a greater surrender because we all want it, don't we? But we can't do it on our own strength. So we need God to help us. And I believe he is willing and ready to help you and me to do it. You know, when you think of our primary calling to help bring people to God, then an important aspect of all in, I think, is invite. Invite. It's just a different angle on it, but I believe it's an aspect of all in. And so recently I made a purchase and it had one of these stores where you had to um, give customer feedback and they'd been pretty good to me actually and they'd given me a good discount and that made me really happy. <laughs> so I was filling in this um, feedback form and uh, talking to the guy who sold this thing to me and I said, um, have you ever heard of Church Unlimited? And he sort of sort of sort of hums and hums, but I said, you know, it's a church up at the top of this thing and all the rest of it, and he's, he's listening, interested, and in, a little bit interested in it, and then I'm filling out this form, and I said, well, what do, what do I put in this form? And I, they said, what, what can this company do better? And I said, look, what I'm going to put is there is that they need more salespeople like you. Next thing, he's on his phone looking up Church Unlimited. <laughs> but, Seriously, this, this, is not, this is absolutely true. And he's looking up this. He said, man, he said, wow, that's, that's, that looks like a really good church. And so we chatted away for a number of minutes. And I said, come along, come along on, on Sunday. He said, yeah, yeah, what time are your services? And, you know, so we just carried that conversation through. Invite. Let me give you the key to invite. It's really simple. You want the key? Set a goal. Set a goal. A goal might be I'm going to invite one person a week or two. I don't know where you're at. You might say one person every two weeks or whatever. So I've set myself a goal, and I'm trying to, and it's really helping me to do it. So this uh, couple of weeks ago, I invited two people along to church, and then this last week, I've invited probably five or six people along to church this week. And you know, the amazing thing I'm finding, what number one is a number of them are going to come, uh, they'll, they'll be here, and uh, number two, no one seems to react. 
In fact, all of them say thank you. Like, you're so kind <laughs> to invite me to church. And so it's, it's a great thing. So there, there's just a thought of what you could consider doing, all right? All in. Set a goal. So the goal of this series is for you to have a life-defining moment where you take a significant step forward to being all in for God. Like when Abraham, and you're not going to do this, but Abraham offered Isaac. I mean, he offered something that was really precious to him. He said, God, I'm going to give that to you. When Peter got out of the boat, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to the image, when Daniel prayed with the windows opened. So I want you to ask God, you know, what is history turns on a dime. What's that one step you can take? What's those two steps that you can take? Let me give you a few suggestions, all right? These are just out of the box. Get water baptized. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Make a decision. Start a devotional time. Increase your giving. Fast one day a month. Get some wins under your belt. We've got three days of prayer and fasting coming up, October 23 to 25. Maybe fast one meal during those three days. Whatever you feel comfortable to do. Attend a prayer meeting. Start to serve in churches. Hundreds of opportunities in this place. Sign up for United Kingdom and Beyond 19, like these three that came last year. Now, I'd like to take a big crowd next year, maybe 50 of us, get up there and you know, really impart the DNA of Church Unlimited. Maybe be more regular in church. Whatever it is, just ask the Holy Spirit, because He knows where you're at, okay? And He knows the right next step for you. There's no one in this room who doesn't want to take the next step, so ask God what it is. One step of surrender can be worth a thousand brilliant sermons. Listen carefully for the next couple of minutes. You and I have heard hundreds, if not thousands, of sermons. How many of you reckon you've heard hundreds of sermons in your lifetime? Yeah, just about every hand's going to go up. All right. With most of them, I do nothing. And nor do you. <laughs> With most of them. So the best sermons in the world are not the ones that you think, wow, that was amazing. Man, that was brilliant, creative. What a communicator. Friends, they are not the best sermons in the world. A thousand times, I repeat, they are not the best sermons in the world. The best sermons in the world are the ones you do something with. It may be the worst preacher on the planet. And I think sometimes that's the way it's going to be moving forward. But that person's going to say something and you're going to say, right, I heard that. You, the rest of the sermon, you're asleep. But you heard that bit and you think, I'm going to do something with that. That's the best preaching in the world. When we are doers of the word, not hearers only. Because if we hear and hear, the Bible says, and don't do, we deceive ourselves. We think we're doing better than we are. It's my prayer that this series of messages that I'm sharing across all our campuses, they may not be the most brilliant, they may not be the most riveting, but I pray they'll be among the best that you ever heard in your life, because as a result, you took one step of greater surrender for Jesus that ultimately opened the heavens over your life. One step. One step. Let the Spirit speak to you right now as I'm wrapping this whole thing up. The time has come.
to lift the spiritual temperature of the church and of our lives. I don't think any of us disagrees with that. No longer cold nor hot, no longer lukewarm, but more on fire. As you go all out for God, he'll go all out for you. As you give your all to God, he will give his all to you. Here's my counsel. Don't waste another day. Today, take a step. Take that first step of that thousand-mile journey and walk into a life with God that you never dreamed was possible. Amen? Don't forget next Sunday, eh? The family service. Jody uh, mentioned that song earlier in that wrap-up about King of My Heart, and I think that's a good song for us to go to because this series is all about King of Your Heart. And what is that one step? Just got a text coming through about some people are going to be coming to the service tonight. That's how invite works, folks. It's, it's that simple. Invite. They will, they will come. Seriously, they will come. Um, so next week, don't forget we've got that family service. It's going to be a lot of fun. And build relationships and get to know other people. And if you need a faith injection, then tonight's service is for you. You won't be disappointed. Last year's woman's service was, was, was amazing. It was really good. And today, tonight will not disappoint you. If you can, invite. Who can you invite? You know... One of the most powerful services that people can, you can bring people to is ones that have testimonies. There's about four of them tonight, all of them powerful. Of people's lives, that this gospel is powerful. It does change lives. It does work breakthroughs. Impossible situations get turned around because of this amazing God that we serve. He is truly awesome. If there's one person with whom it's safe to be all in, his name is Jesus. Amen. Hey, see you tonight. God bless. Take care.